Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc SOAP and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. We are in Acts chapter 2. Come on, Acts 2. Uh, literally, very literally one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. We have Romans 12 and Acts 2 uh, hold very, very dear places in my heart. Uh, this chapter right here, uh, as I was going over it this morning, I thought this is perfect to kick off the month of February together uh, because we're going to have a filled up February church. And I don't mean just a filled up schedule. I don't mean filled up tasks. I don't mean filled up projects from work. I'm talking about filled up with the spirit of God through the month of February. Because as I was reviewing the soap this morning, uh, I was like, all right, so you know what? I know it's Thursday. I always do Thursdays, but I was looking at the calendar. I said, wait a second, are we in February already? How do we get to February? Like the last I remember, I was trying to figure out my Christmas shopping the week before Christmas. What just happened? <laughs> and suddenly all we're we're on our way out of winter. February's here. Now I have to worry about Valentine's Day. Pray for me. <laughs> like my wife's pregnant. Pray for me. <laughs> and, and, and I'm looking, I'm looking at it. I said, oh my gosh, we have so many things we have to get done in February. We have the miracles in motion launch point. Fusion youth is jumping, hustling and bustling. And I was like, God, what do you want to tell us today? And he said, it's time to have a filled up February. So come on, as we read this today, as we press in on February 1st of the month, I want you to believe God that you are going to be filled up this month. So come on, let's pray and let's dive in this chapter. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you that we get to have your word. We get to have your text and Holy Spirit. I just pray that you would fill us up through the word of God this morning. Lord, speak to us, open our hearts, pierce our hearts with your word today, Lord. And God, I just pray that we would have such a divine overflow with the word of God. We have such a divine overflow with you, Holy Spirit, that God, everything would start coming, not just into us, but out of us that contains you. So Lord, I just pray, come now in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Come on. All right. Acts chapter two, verse one. It says, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven. It filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like fire, flames of fire that separated and rested on each of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in, uh, in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now... There were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one of them uh, uh, heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and amazed, saying, look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each one can hear uh, each one of us can hear them in our own native language? Corinthians, Medes, uh, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia, in Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, 
uh, uh, Phrygia and Palamphia, Egypt and other parts of Libya near Serene, visitors from Rome, both Jew and converts, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But some sneered and said, they're drunk on new wine. Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and proclaimed to them, fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only nine in the morning. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Then your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on the servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. I will display wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him. Just as you yourselves know, though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. God raised him up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. For David said of him, I saw the Lord ever before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. Moreover, my flesh will rest in hope because you will not abandon me in Hades or allow your Holy One to see decay. You have revealed the paths of life to me. You will fill me with gladness in your presence. Brothers and sisters, I can confidently speak to you about the patriarch David. He is both dead and buried. And his tomb is with us this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn an oath to him to seat one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke concerning the resurrection of Messiah. He was not abandoned in Hades, and his flesh did not experience decay. God has raised this Jesus. We are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that David has made this Jesus, whom you crucify, both Lord and Messiah. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted this message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. 
They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds as many uh, uh, as many had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day, the Lord added to their number those who are being saved. Whoo, come on. What a chapter inside of the Bible, right? Uh, I don't know about you. I'm filled up already. <laughs> that is one of those uh, fired up chapters uh, when the day of Pentecost comes and then it goes directly through an incredible cadence happening. Uh, so as always, share your favorite verses, things that God is saying to you. Uh, uh, in the chat, I'd love to try and keep my eyes on them. Uh, but to give some context, you always know if I'm here, I'm going to give you the context behind the text. I love talking context because it is what they taught me in Bible school. And it is one of the best things to illuminate the word of God to us. Without context, we could easily go down any path when reading the word, and many times they can lead into error. So I love sharing context. So right here, it says when the day of Pentecost had arrived. So why was it important that the day of Pentecost was coming? It was important because Jesus had told his disciples uh, in Acts chapter 1, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. He gives them this amazing promise. You're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit inside of your life. However, I need you to go and wait, right? Because he says you are going to be baptized in a few days. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit in a few days. And we know just by uh, the cadence of Scripture from Acts chapter 1 to Acts chapter 2 that this was about a 10-day period. So Jesus had been alive and walking the earth post-resurrection for about 40 days when Acts chapter 1 happens and he ascends into heaven finally. And then the believers, the church at that point, which was a very small church, very small gathering, meets together and prays every day together for 10 days straight. And they say, no matter what happens, we're going to follow the words of our God. He came back from the dead. He showed us his power. He showed, showed us he was faithful to life. So then, of course, the next 10 days, we're going to pray together. And then that's where Pentecost comes. So this word Pentecost is not a New Testament term, but it's actually an Old Testament term. So the day of Pentecost would celebrate the time of the wheat harvest and would celebrate the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. So when Moses received the law on Sinai, this was really the holiday where uh, the Jews would go to Jerusalem. They would bring uh, their wheat, they would wave their wheat in the air, and it was their way of bringing their first fruits to God to celebrate the giving of the law. And <clears throat> inside of the temple, what would happen is there would be priests bringing loaves of wheat bread, symbolizing the first fruits of the harvest being brought to God on the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost itself literally just means 50. <laughs> There's no deep spiritual meaning really behind this word. It's just 50. And Pentecost, Penta, right? Penta being 50. Pentecost is the celebration of, of, of the uh, wheat harvest and the celebration of first fruits. But this would happen 50 days after Easter, which is why we still hold its name. So uh, what Jesus is really saying, why he's saying, hey, on the day of Pentecost, this is the day that you're actually going to receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, think about this. It's a holiday celebrating first fruits. And here Jesus would receive the first fruits of his ministry. 
Because the first fruits wasn't just people going to heaven to be with God. His first fruits was an igniter and an ignition on the church that would be the world changers post his life here on earth. He viewed his first fruits as those that would carry his father's mission and be about his father's business. So right here, Jesus is viewing and he's saying, hey, I'm going to give you everything I got. And the beauty of everything he has is the spirit of God dwelling inside of his people. And the scene is really quite supernatural and magnificent at the same time. Because verse 2, it says, suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven. You know, these people must have been much more spiritual than I am. Because uh, I'm going to let you know, if you and I are ever inside of a prayer meeting, and a violent rushing wind comes blowing into the room, my first thought is always this, where the heck is the window open? Uh, <laughs> I think I might just be a simple creature. I'm the first person to think, where's the leak? I'm the first person to think, what AC vent is above us? <laughs> but these wonderful spiritually minded people <laughs> are so incredible because here comes the violent rushing wind that came from heaven and filled the inside of the house where they were staying. And they had 120 people in this upper room meeting and praying together. And right after that, it says they saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each of them. In this supernatural scene, I wish I could sit here and explain in detail, hey, this is what it looked I would just take it literally. There was a supernatural sign and wonder happening above them. And then it rested on every single person in the room. The beauty of that is when I was reading this, I get so encouraged because sometimes I don't know about you, church, but I know about me. Sometimes I think, oh, maybe I'll get skipped over in what God is doing inside of this. Maybe I'm not a part of this plan or this assignment. The beautiful part about the work of the kingdom of God is that every single person is included. It says that there was a flaming tongue of fire and it rested on each one of them. Now, one person was exempt from the power of God that day. Every single person is included in the plan and purpose of Jesus and the assignment of the kingdom of God here on the earth. And this tongue of fire would rest on them. And verse four, it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I think this is such an important concept just for all of us to grasp today. Come on, filled up February. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. You and I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every single day. This isn't just a one-time experience that happened inside of the church, but I actually believe it's a daily occurrence that's supposed to happen in your and my life every single day. The filling of the Holy Spirit in our life. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 uh, tells us not to be drunk on wine, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I think the Apostle Paul uses this analogy very intentionally uh, because I know so many of us came out of the world, so I don't really like to play coy too much and pretend like we don't know things. Uh, so a lot of us came out of the world and we know what it's like to be drunk. If you don't, I love your purity. That's amazing. However, I will tell you, when you come under too much alcohol, there's an influence, correct? And this influence starts dictating your decisions. This influence starts telling you what to do. And what ultimately ends up happening is a substance becomes in control of who you are and your actions. Now, of course, we always have this aspect of self-control, but we know we lose self-control when we come under the influence of any substance. What's amazing is that Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk on wine. 
but be filled with the Holy Spirit. What's the Apostle Paul saying? This substance that can be in control of your life, so can the Holy Spirit be in control of your life. So can the Holy Spirit help you make decisions. So can the Holy Spirit give you guidance and influence in every area of your life. And in the same way this substance wants to run you, the Holy Spirit also wants to run you and make decisions with you. I find that so encouraging because it lets me know I'm not alone here on the earth. But I have God here on the earth today, Holy Spirit, that wants to help me in everything I do. Thank God, because church, sometimes while I'm called to be a child when coming to the Lord, sometimes I could be a little childish and not just childlike. And when God shows up and says, I'm going to help you in the midst of your childishness, I'm going to help you in the midst of your immaturity and help you not just grow, but grow up inside of the faith and mature. That is so encouraging that the Spirit of God wants to dwell in me, next to me, and help me make decisions. Come on, somebody. Right? This is an encouraging fact that God wants to be with us today. And this all comes out of having a relationship with Holy Spirit. And that's going to be a little bit of a confrontational question for all of us today. But I do want to propose it to you. What's your relationship like with Holy Spirit? What is your relationship like with the Spirit of God today? Uh, because uh, I, when I read the Bible personally, when I look through the different phases that God has brought humanity through, I see the Father revealing himself in theophanies and both Christophanies inside of the Old Testament. A theophany would be really the Father revealing himself. A Christophany is the Son, Jesus, revealing himself in the Old Testament. When we come into the New Testament and we see the Gospels, we see Jesus, the Son, in the flesh with the church. And then after he gets raised from the dead, we see him in a glorified nature for 40 days with the body of Christ. And then right after that, here comes Holy Spirit, like we just read in Pentecost. So Holy Spirit is actually God on the earth today. So God has always been in the mix with mankind. He's always been around. He's never let things just slide past. And from my perspective and where I sit, if God's on the earth today, I want to engage with God on the earth today. So I'm going to ask you one more time. What's your relationship like with Holy Spirit? Like when you pray, what do your prayers look like? Are you praying off to a distant, uh, hopefully hearing God? Or are you praying inward to the Spirit of God dwelling inside of you? Because I personally, this was a revelation that hit me about five years ago, that I'm not just praying on deaf ears, but I'm actually praying to a spirit that is alive inside of me because I'm the temple of this Holy Spirit. And it brought so much to life inside of my prayer life because I knew that there was a spirit of God dwelling in me, hearing every word, helping guide every word that I'm praying to him. So how's your relationship with the Holy Spirit today? And inside your prayer life, I want to encourage you something because this... uh this was something for me that I had to unpack. I thought, oh man, I wonder if I'm praying to Holy Spirit, if the Father or Jesus gets jealous. Like when do I like like stop like praying to Holy Spirit and give the Father some love? Like, all right, Holy Spirit, chill out for a second. And like, all right, Dad, I love you. Thank you so much. All right, Dad, chill out because I don't want Jesus to get jealous. I got to pray to the Son for a minute, right? Uh, I want to tell you something. There, <laughs> The Godhead is God. Jesus is not jealous of the Holy Spirit getting prayer. Holy Spirit is not jealous of the Father getting prayer. They are all honored and excited to hear your voice, child of God. Whenever you pray to your God, whenever you pray to Jesus, the Father, Holy Spirit, 
all of them are excited because they are three and one and one and three. The Godhead is overjoyed when you approach, 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 approach the throne of grace and mercy with boldness. So I want to encourage you when you pray, do not be afraid to pray spirit inspired prayers out of relationship with the spirit of God. So being filled with the Holy Spirit and this is a relationship with Holy Spirit. And then it goes on in verse four. It says, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So uh, right here, it's important to know that they were not just filled with the Holy Spirit for any abstract reason. Uh, what I've discovered over my course in my relationship with God, uh, he really isn't that kooky. Uh, <laughs> he's awesome. He does supernatural things, but he's also not just like super, super weird for no reason. Uh, they spoke in the languages of the countries of that day. So what we've learned from verses 5 through uh, 13, that they actually spoke in 15 different languages right there. And the languages they were speaking in were of visiting Jews to Jerusalem at that time. Uh, the Lord was, uh, the Holy Spirit was giving them this language because they, he wanted the 120 to understand that they're being filled for a reason. And that reason wasn't just good prayer meetings. That reason was because they're supposed to reach lost people for Jesus. They were supposed to get out of just their corporate gatherings and have an understanding that the power of God isn't just for you, right? I love the power of God that breaks us free from addiction. Come on, somebody. I love the power of God that confronts me and lets me know that change is possible. I love the power of God that right when I'm being a poor husband, come on somebody, I know husbands are here. When I'm being a poor husband and I'm so self-righteous in some of my decisions, come on somebody. And maybe some of us wives are the same way. We know when I'm arguing with my spouse and it's like, nope, this is what the Bible says. So therefore I get to be a jerk. Come on, tell me I'm not alone. If, I, if I'm the only real one on this Thursday morning, I'll be real. <laughs> uh, but right. So we start fighting from the self-righteous place. And then the spirit of God shows up and says, hey, this isn't very love filled. So it's not very me filled. I love the power of God that lets me know change is possible. I love the power of God that gets in my face at times and lets me know, hey, you're not being Christ-like. It's time to start being Christ-like. I love the spirit of God that enters into every single situation and says, son, daughter, you can do better by my power, not by your strength, but by my strength, right? I love this power of God, but the power of God is not just selfish, church. Whoo! The power of God is not just for you. The power of God, the point of it, and we see this right here from this passage, a supernatural action happens. Basically, a hurricane hits upstairs. Come on, somebody. Right after that, flames of fire in the form of tongues show up out of nowhere. It, if fire shows up in the room and you're with me, I'm grabbing an extinguisher, right? You can trust that. <laughs> I am a man of action and few words. Like I'm grabbing an extinguisher, I'm putting something out. Fire shows up, but then the Holy Spirit anoints all of them and fills them and they speak in different languages. All of this happens, not just so that they can have an amazing prayer meeting, but so that 15, 15 different countries and people groups and cultures can be reached with the message of Jesus. That is so powerful because the power of God is not just for you and for me. The power of God is not just for incredible Sunday mornings with amazing worship. The power of God is not just for great preaching from the pulpit. The power of God is so people can come to know Jesus. And these 15 people are looking upon the church saying, what the heck is going on? Are they drunk? 
<laughs> How are they speaking our language right now? They got to be drinking. <laughs> and I love Peter's response. They're not drunk as you suppose, but they are just filled with the Holy Ghost, right? Now, this right here is showing the necessity as to why you and I, church, you and me, need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because Jesus knew that his early church needed, needed, needed the Spirit of God to fulfill the mission and assignment that he was sending them on. They're supposed to go to three places I share with you in uh, uh, chapter 1, verse verse 8. Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Well, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. So four different places. Jerusalem, which they'll be currently residing when they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Judea, which would be the Jewish people. This, uh, uh, the Ju Ju well, because they were, for the most part, Galeans. So they had to go out to Judea to share the message of Jesus. And then Samaria. Samaria was really kind of like the enemies of the Jewish people of the day because they were mixed between uh, different cultures. And then to the ends of the earth, all Gentiles, everyone being included inside of the message of Jesus and inside of the kingdom of God. They could not do this mission without the spirit of God dwelling in them, anointing them, and helping them fulfill their assignment. I want to tell you, if the early church couldn't do it without Holy Spirit, why do we think we can so often? You know, because I, I have found with me personally, in the seasons when I start to begin uh, to feel burnt out, in the seasons when I start to begin to feel tired, I notice that the candle of my life, I am burning the wick. But you see, when it, the beautiful part when it comes to candles, this worked out so well. I did not plan this. When you burn a candle, you burn the wicks and it burns the actual candle. And when we do this in our life, we burn the candle of our life, our energy, many times our joy, our happiness. But if you put a little oil at the bottom of the candle and you decide that I'm going to burn oil rather than the candle, the oil of the Holy Spirit will anoint your life. And when you are serving in the assignments that God has put you inside of, rather than burning your life away, you are burning the anointing of the Holy Spirit, which wants to be burnt, the empowerment of who he is, the one who gives me grace to get it done. So rather than burning our life, we get to burn the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit that wants to be engaged in every single thing that we do. So this is why we need, need, need Holy Spirit. If you don't feel like you need him yet, um, I don't know what else to tell you. I've expressed it a hundred times now. <laughs> we all need Holy Spirit. So uh, as this passage goes on, uh, what's really cool is that God gives the 120 the power of, uh, power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus fulfills his promise. And Peter preaches his first sermon at verse 14. And what's really cool about this is that Peter just all of 50 days ago had rejected Jesus. All of 50 days ago had denied him three times. All of 50 days ago uh, uh, failed by every definition of the word. And yet 50 days later, here he is preaching in front of 3,000 people. Do you know how incredible that is? So I'm sharing this with you, church, because you might be sitting where you're sitting right now, not wondering how we'll ever turn around. You might be sitting in your situation wondering, God, what are you going to do with this? How is this ever going to change? You might be sitting in your situation saying, Lord, I don't know what's up with this affliction, but I need some glorification. I want to tell you, God can do a lot in 50 days. Because just 50 days later, he goes from be sitting in self-sorrow, returning to his old assignment, 
returning to fishing because Peter denied Jesus three times and then hopped back on a boat and said, forget this. I'm going back to what I know what's familiar to me. I'm going to catch some fish. He goes back to all of the nuances of life rather than the supernatural that God had called him to. And then yet 50 days later, here he is filled with the spirit of God preaching to 3,000 people. Your life, your assignment, your marriage, your business is not over. God can do more in 50 days than you could ever estimate in your entire life. Do not say no to the Holy Spirit in your life. Anyway, uh, uh, Peter preaches right here. He shares from the book of Joel between verses 17 and 21, sharing with these Jewish people that, hey, the very thing that we have been praying for is happening in front of us. And I think sometimes we need that revelation to church that God is doing the thing that we've been praying for, but it's not happening the way we thought it would, correct? Because I many times pray to God and expect him to answer my prayer in a certain way. However, God will show up in a different way. And when he shows up in this different way, I sometimes get offended, just like the Jewish people were. They got to be drunk. <laughs> However, I love the fact that God breaks our box and tells us, I want to do more than you could ask, think, or imagine. Peter preaches from verse 14 to verse 36. And in verse 37, something incredible happens. It says, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. And Peter said to all of them, brothers, uh, 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 or said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replies, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. I want to encourage you, church, if you have not yet been baptized, get baptized. Uh, because this is like the plan of action for all of us. Repent, be baptized. Be filled with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's a gift. But the incredible part about gifts, and I know all of us have had a birthday at some point. Uh, on my birthday, my gifts don't open themselves. I have to go open my own gifts. So it is with the Holy Spirit. I have to go open the gift of the Holy Spirit. The same thing with baptism. I have to go and get myself into the tank. God will give me grace, but I have to get myself into the tank and get dunked. So this passage continues on, and I'm going to close here. Verses 42 through 47, it kicks off. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking of the bread, and prayer. This is like the four-pronged uh, uh, mission and let's say like strategy. This is the four-pronged uh, overflow of who the church was to be and who the church should be today. They were number one in all four things that they did. They were devoted. So they gave all of themselves to what God was doing, to the apostles' teaching, the teaching of the word of God. When the word of God shows up and it sometimes, like it says in verse 37, pierces us to the heart. Because I want to tell you, uh, I love the word of God that is comforting, but I also love the word of God that is convicting. The word of God that gets into my heart and lets me know, hey, it's time to grow up. <laughs> hey, it's time to put the big boy and big girl pants on, right? It's time to maybe sometimes stop acting like we were in high school, right? It's the word of God that pierces our heart. Hey, you can't always have it your way. <laughs> hey, you may just be a little bit spoiled, but just a little bit, right? Come on. It's the word of God that pierces our heart. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the teaching of the word of God, right? We come together on Sunday mornings and we crack open. This beautiful, this beautiful, beautiful word of God every single Sunday. And we do that because we want to be devoted to the teachings of Jesus. Number two, they were devoted to fellowship. Uh, we are heading into Connect Group Season Church. Come on, this is where we get devoted to our, our fellowship together. Fellowship was when we sit around, we get face to face. 
Fellowship is when we look at each other and say, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. What are you struggling with? Fellowship is when we get to celebrate together, grieve together, mourn together, and do life together. And I don't say that as a cliche. I truly mean it. Fellowship is when we can really do this thing called relationship inside of the kingdom of God. Fellowship is where the church starts to become the church. So I really strongly encourage you, if you are not signed up for a connect group yet, uh, what are you waiting for? What 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 else? What what does God need to do to get you into that connect group? Right. I, I always kind of ask myself this question when it's like, okay, do I need to step into something? Is the Lord waiting on me, or am I waiting on Him? Because many times He's waiting on me. So come on, what are you waiting for? Get into a connect group. Hop into a circle. Get out of a row and get into a circle. And number three, the breaking of bread. This is communion. This is something very 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 special to us here at Fusion. Something I have the honor of doing so often is leading us into communion. Uh, it is powerful. We get to celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus, the sacrifice he made on the cross, the breaking of the bread and the spilling of the blood. And number four, in prayer, right? The apostles teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. Prayer, meeting with God. Prayer is when we get to actually let him hear our voice. Prayer is when we get, we as children get to approach our dad and talk to dad. These four beautiful things, which is the marker of the church. And it's fueled by something special in verse 43. It says, everyone was filled with awe. Awe. This awestruck wonder of who Jesus is. This awe that says, no matter what he does, no matter what he says, I keep this childlike nature of excitement. You know, as we're heading into the Super Bowl very, very shortly, when I think of awe, I think of when our favorite wide receiver makes a catch. I think when our favorite running back runs yards that we can never even expect. I'm sharing this with you because if we can feel all about our favorite <laughs> about our favorite football teams, we can feel all about our Jesus, always sitting amazed by everything he does. There's not a word that he speaks that doesn't leave me in awestruck wonder. And this all, this all, this all would be the fuel inside of the church to have the mission of Jesus put forward. It would be the fuel inside of the body of Christ. The gas in the tank was this awe, this posture of a heart that remained humble and excited that said, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I just can't wait to see what you're going to do next. I'm not here to decide what you're going to do, Lord, but I'm just here to sit in awe of everything you do here on the earth. So come on, church. I'm so excited. It is filled up February. I hope you feel full of the word of God this morning. We got to cover almost all of Acts 2 together. And I want to give you one encouragement as we depart our time right now. Uh, when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, when we decide to engage in those four actions, right? Devoted to teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. When we say, Jesus, we are devoting all of us to all of you. There's an incredible thing that happens. And it's a thing that I've been praying for for years. In that same chapter, it says that 3,000 were added to the church that day. And at the very end of the chapter, it says the number of the church increased daily. The Lord added to their numbers daily. This has been my prayer for the church since I came to know Jesus, that God, you would increase to your church daily, not because a preacher's preaching, because the people recognize that the next move of God, the current move of God is not from a pulpit, but it's from the pews. It's from the people saying, God, you're filling me, not just some idol on a stage. So church, I want to encourage you. You are being filled with the spirit of God for your coworkers, 
for your family, for your friends. That person, come on, the Daniel fast is over. I know that Wawa coffee is draining. It is draining. I went the other day when the container was just empty. I said, Fusion Church has been here. <laughs> uh, come on. I, <laughs> when you're a Wawa, that gas station attendant, that, that, that coffee barista, that Starbucks barista, they need the message of Jesus. Do not walk in and walk out walking past dead people like we are not life carriers. Go and carry that life and proclaim that life, church. Now, let me pray for you. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for each and every person pressing in today. Well, we are going to have a filled up February, Lord. So Holy Spirit, I just pray, fill us today. I'm not going to preach without action. Lord, fill us today. Fill our hearts, fill our minds, that our thoughts are directed by your influence, Holy Spirit, that God, you would give us divinely inspired thoughts today, that you would angle the motives of our hearts so we could feel what you feel, filled with the compassion you have, and God, I just pray you would do all of this for your glory, Lord. And God, inside of your church, I just pray, make the name of Jesus famous. God, glorify your name today and give us the grace and the boldness to proclaim your message. We thank you for this in the majestic, <laughs> mighty, holy name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen, amen. God bless. Love you all. Have an incredible, incredible Thursday.